0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow
1: along. Now with today's
0: teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: So Peter appreciated the very... Colored grace of God. Paul talks about his grace, that God's grace has worked in his life. And so now in our text, Saul is wreaking havoc of the church, and the church is being scattered throughout and scattered abroad. Now, this word scattered abroad is a very important word if you're taking notes. It's the diaspora, it's spelled D I A spora the diaspora and it actually comes from two greek words dia which means to throw and spora which means to sow or to scatter seed it means to cast or to throw as seed so you could translate this verse they were all seeded throughout the region in verse 1 they were all seeded throughout the region it's kind of like a picture of a dandelion and You know, like a breeze comes by and you kind of blow on a dandelion. It just kind of goes all over and, you know, the seeds just go everywhere. Well, at this point, that's what's happening to the church. The church is being seeded into Judea and Samaria. Now, watch this. Stay with me very closely here. Remember Acts chapter 1. Were you with us for our study in Acts 1? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus told them to stay in Jerusalem until they be uh, endued or, or receive power from on high and that they were to stay in Jerusalem and to be witnesses. First of all, he said in Jerusalem, remember, in Judea, in Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. You remember that? Acts 1.8. Well, look at it. Acts 8.1. Do you see that? It's happening here in Acts 8.1. That seems like a Holy Spirit thing to me. Acts eight, Jesus prophesied, Jerusalem first, Judea, Samaria, and the othermost parts. And then Acts 8.1, we see it actually happening. Man, you know, the Holy Spirit, he makes things easy for us, doesn't he? He knows we don't get it very often, so he gives us like these little associations, you know? Acts 1.8 and Acts 8.1, we see that happening as the church is going from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria in this chapter. And you want to notice something here. The reason the church is moving out of Jerusalem is because of persecution. And if it wasn't for the persecution, they would never have gone out. At this time in Acts chapter 8, the church is about six years old. It's still a baby church. I believe that if it were not for this persecution that God is using Saul to persecute the church. If it were not for this persecution, the church would have never made it out of Jerusalem because we like to get comfortable because we like to stay planted. So we can see that God is using the persecution To move the church so that he can fulfill the prophecy of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. God is moving them through pain. Did you know that God often moves people by pain? You know, the harsh reality is that sometimes God has to move us by pain to get us to the place that we are supposed to be. Amen, saints? Sometimes... God has to let us go through trials and discomfort before he can get our attention. I mean, even here this morning, many people in this church, God has moved you, brought you into this church. You have come to this church. You have started going back to church because of some trial, difficulty, discomfort, pain in your life. Many of you here this morning, I mean, you've come up to me in times past and said, you know, I hadn't been going to church, but this began to happen and that began to happen. And so I decided to start going back to church. God many times moves people using this tool of pain. Now, I realize that this is not a popular message in the church. In the church today, they tell you, you know, if you got pain in your life, I mean, if there's any pain in your life or there's any persecution in your life, you need to name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, rebuke that thing because that ain't of the Lord. (laughs) Have you ever heard that? Listen, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, and the Bible is very clear, many times God will use pain and difficulty in your life to move you to a certain point. God will use pain, difficulty, circumstances, discomfort in your life to move you from one place to another because he has a ministry for you to do. And how many times in your life have you gotten to a place in your life, like over here, where God, something happened, something happened in church, Something happened with the people of God. Something happened with your job. And you go, man, I don't understand what's going on. That just is weird. I don't understand it. I have no clue what's going on. You know, we're going to have to move to this place or this location or maybe even to another church. You get over to that place or that location and God begins to use your life and God begins to bless you. And then all of a sudden you look at that and you go, you know what? I didn't understand what the pain and the difficulty was all about over here. But now I understand it. See, I can see God's plan and God's purpose in my life. Here, where I couldn't see it there. And now, you know, that verse that says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now you can say that verse with confidence. And now you can say with that verse, you can say, I know all things were together because I can't see God's plan. I can't see God's purpose over here. But God many times will use pain to move you in a different direction. Amen, saints. He will do that. God is smarter than we are. Amen. And he knows the end from the beginning. So God, even here in the New Testament church, he's using pain. He's using this unpleasant circumstance to move the church. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Don't you love that? A guy by the name of J.I. Packer said, God uses chronic pain and weakness along with other afflictions as his chisel for sculpting our lives. Cripple him and you have a Sir Walter Scott. Lock him in a, in a prison cell and you have a John Bunyan. Bury him in the snows of Valley Forge and you have George Washington. Raise him in abject poverty and you have an Abraham Lincoln. Strike him down with infantile paralysis and he becomes Franklin Roosevelt, burn him so severely that the doctors say he'll never walk again, and you have Glenn Cummings, who set the world's one-mile record in 1934. Deafen him, and you have a Ludwig von Beethoven. Have him or her born black in a society filled with racial discrimination, and you have a Booker T. Washington, Marian Anderson, a George Washington Carver. Life is about 20% in what happens to us and 80% in the way we respond to it. God uses difficulty and pain to bring about his purpose. You understand? Say amen. amen. And that's huge because you need to know that when it does happen. Well, you, Rodney, I'm, you know, I've been a Christian now for, for a year and I've never had any difficulty. Just wait. <laughs> it's coming. It's called being a Christian. Amen? God uses. Well, Saul, persecuting the church, trying to stamp the church out, trying to stamp out the fires of faith. And you know what? I bet you I wonder if Satan about this time, because Saul is persecuting the church, if Satan about this time is kind of standing back and saying, aha, oh, I remember all that talk about the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Satan is probably standing back laughing. He's thinking he got victory over the church. But you know, I see Satan as Wiley Coyote. <laughs> Y'all remember Roadrunner? I'm a big Roadrunner fan. I mean, I, I love it. And you remember Wiley Coyote? Every time he did something, the Acme Company showed up. <laughs> Where did they come from? In every episode, it was like crazy. And then the acme And every time that Wally Coyote would try to do something or, or try to you know trap the roadrunner, Runner, and then and then the roadrunner would always thwart the plan. And he just kind of comes back, you know, and he's got like, try to set TNT, and you know, and then he and he thwart the plan, and the roadrunner just come up behind him, beep beep, and then the Coyote blows up. You know what I mean? I, I always say Satan's like that. Satan's like Wally Coyote and, and the Roadrunner Runner is, is like uh, Jesus. Okay, work with me. And, and and like and Jesus comes up and just beep beep and, and he got the victory. Thank you, Lord. You understand, say amen. All right, good. Good. It's elementary, but it works. Thank you, Jesus. And even Satan is standing back, oh, ha, 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 oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, all this gates of hell and the church is powerful and all this. And, and he's going to use Saul to persecute the church and beat down the church and to stamp out the fires of faith of the church. And Satan thinks he's got the victory. But you know what? You know the end of the story. Jesus Christ gets the victory. <laughs> Amen, saints. Jesus gets the victory. Jesus gets the victory always gets the victory he always gets the victory even in your life he always gets the victory that's why i'm a christian because i'm on the right side i always like to be on the winning team When it was time to pick teams i always wind up on the bad team but i always want to be on the winning team jesus satan cannot prevail well then notice in verse 4 in your bibles and philip notice in verse verse 4 Philip, verse four and five, Philip, you remember Philip was chosen to wait on tables in Acts chapter six, and and he was faithful in serving tables. And now God uses him for further ministry. Remember, we talk faithful and little. God opens up more and more to do. And so Philip goes down to Samaria to a place other Jews wouldn't go just like Jesus. And he began to preach Christ and many heeded the word. And Philip did great signs and wonders and revival came to Samaria. And there was great joy in the city of Samaria because the gospel was being preached. Now you need to know something if you're taking notes, Bible students, write this down. Second Kings chapter 17. The Samaritans were always looked down upon by the Jews. There in Second Kings 17, the time period, listen, is about 722 BC. And the Assyrians took the 10 northern tribes of Israel in the captivity, and they began to intermarry with the Jews and the Assyrians. And the descendants of these intermarried Jews and Assyrians became known as the Samaritans. The pure Jews then looked down upon these Samaritans as half-breeds and despised them and refused to have any relationship with them. As a matter of fact, a popular prayer in those days was, Lord, do not remember the Samaritans in the resurrection." They hated the Samaritans, these half-breeds. Well, the Samaritans built their own temple on Mount Gerizim and developed their own mongrel religion and faith. Now, you might remember, of course you do, in John chapter 4. Don't you remember Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well? And this woman was obviously very friendly with the fellas, Jesus said, hey, you have five husbands, and the man you're living with right now, he's not your husband. And Jesus continued to minister to her. You know the story we fast forward? Jesus continued to minister to that woman, and she went into the city of Samaria. And she said to all the men, she said, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. And I bet you all the men in the city probably thought, how much did he tell you? How much does he know? You never know. And she became the first evangelist in that that area. So now we're in the area of Samaria. Philip then comes along and he reaps the fruit from what Jesus planted in John chapter 4. Look at what happens next in verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because... He had astonished them with his sorceries, with his evil practice for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and the signs and the wonders. Again, listen, the early church was attacked, as you know, by money, murder, And now they're being attacked by mimicry. Here we have this man, Simon, who practiced witchcraft in Samaria. And he claimed to be great. Everyone thought he was great. And that he had the power of God because he had been doing sorcery for a long time. So Philip is preaching to the people. And the people believe. And the people are baptized. And Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he traveled with Philip and was amazed at the power of God. Look at verse 14. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter, a delegation, and John to them, who, when they had come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, as yet he had fallen upon... That's the Greek word, saints. Listen, I don't have time. Epi. Remember? Upon. Remember the work of the Holy Spirit? He comes alongside... Para, in you, and upon you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, epi, or epi, e-p-i. And that's enough to give you a taste. Go do your homework. But notice the Holy Spirit had come upon these already believers, and they had been baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they laid hands, in verse 17, on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when or baptized in the spirit and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands on might receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perished with you because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this, your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart might be forgiven you, for I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by sin. And then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken may come upon me. And so when they had testified in verse 25 and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Word has come to Jerusalem that Samaria had received the word of God and an official delegation was sent to see if these things were so. Peter and John show up in Samaria. They prayed for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon the believers and they received the Holy Spirit. And Simon sees them laying hands on the people. And imparting the spirit, he offered them money and said, give me this power that I can lay hands on folks. And Peter said, your money perished with you because you thought the gift of the Holy Spirit could be purchased with money. Peter says, repent, because I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound in sin. This man, Simon, the sorcerer, listen, saw that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of hands and he offered Peter and John money. Listen close. In church history, the buying of ecclesiastical offices and benefits has now become known as simony. Have you ever heard that? Simony. In the first century, or pardon me, in the 10th century, the Roman Catholic Church had given up the office of Pope to the highest bidder. John the 19th took the office. There was a Pope Benedict who became pope at the age of 12 because of simony. Enough money has purchased him the office. In the Protestant church, things are not a whole lot different, saints. The Protestant church is just as guilty. People today are going to seminary, paying their money, passing the courses, and buying spiritual offices in the church. Saints, listen. That does not happen here at Calvary Chapel. You cannot purchase anything for yourself here at Calvary Chapel. Oh, let me take that back. You can get a latte. (laughs) But you cannot. You cannot, you know, that's why, you know, we, you know folks in the church, people coming in the doors with money and they want to, you know, well, I got an extra dollar and I got money. And they try to get to know the pastor and try to get to know the leadership because they want to buy themselves a position. That does not happen here at Calvary Chapel. I am not interested in that. That's one of the reasons why we don't even have pews, y'all. And we don't have the pew drive. And you can, you know, you can purchase a pew and put your little name on the side of the pew and, you know, purchasing your seat. Somebody sitting in your seat. You be, uh, excuse me. Uh, that's that's my seat. Oh really? Is your name on it? Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> as a matter of fact. See that that happens in other churches. That doesn't happen here. We do not save seats. We save souls. Amen, saints. Folks <laughs> be trying to get to church early because they trying to get their seat. Okay, I understand it can get crowded, but listen. We don't save seeds, we save souls. No one can purchase an office here. I don't care how much money you make, how much you don't make. How wealthy you are, how not wealthy you are. We are here because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not here to be impressed by your financial portfolio. (laughs) No, 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 no. And we can't have that because that's just another form of simony. Purchasing an office for yourself. Can I say something to you really quickly? I told them first service. People told me they appreciate me saying it first service. I'm going to say it second service. And I'll probably say it third too. (laughs) I don't know who gives what here at Calvary Chapel. I do not know who gives their tithes and their offerings. I personally, Pastor Rodney, there are other people who look at those numbers, but I don't or who look at those names and they have to know them for a whole lot of reasons. But I don't have to know them and I don't know them and I don't know them intentionally because I don't want money and position and power and wealth to affect what happens here at the pulpit. I want to stay pure and clean, give myself to prayer, give myself to the word. And I don't care how much money you make or you work at McDonald's, you work at at, at SAS. Well, make as much money as you want. It doesn't matter to me because the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everybody, rich or poor, black or white. It doesn't matter. So I don't need to concern myself with those things. It keeps me pure. Is that all right? It just keeps me pure. That's all I'm talking about. And that's where I want to stay. And I can just preach the word and I don't get, look, if you're rich, great. Look, I ain't saying you can't take me out to a nice dinner. <laughs> if you got to ask a dollar, you can take a brother out. That's all I'm saying. But, 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 but you understand, say amen if you understand. That's all I'm talking about, this. <laughs> but I'm just saying, look, no, 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 no. Nothing's for sale. The gospel can never be for sale. And the pulpit can never be for sale. The office in the church can never be for sale. Simon wanted to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. He wanted to buy authority. He coveted the miracles and not the master, the signs and not the Savior. And Peter says your money is on its way to hell and so are you, Peter. You go, boy. <laughs> Peter, she's going to hell, man. Now, there are a lot of people who debate back and forth. I don't have time. If you want my points as to why I believe this, then you can talk to me later, but I, you know, people debate back and forth whether Simon was a believer, whether he was not a believer, and, 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 you know, they go back and forth. I personally do not believe, I, Pastor Rodney, do not believe that Simon was a believer. I do not, and for many, many, many reasons. You are free to disagree with that. When we get to heaven, we can go and ask the Lord, and then he will tell you that I was right. I don't believe he was a believer. Now, listen, I'm coming in for a landing. Here you go. Four things that I want to give you. Four lessons, high level, real quick. Four lessons we can learn about the power from these verses. Four lessons we can learn about power. Number one, God, here it is. You Taking notes? God can empower and use anyone. Amen, saints? Just ordinary people. Philip, read ahead. Philip was just a guy. Just a normal guy. And God used him. And it's awesome how God used him to influence the whole culture for Christ. God wants to use us. Secondly, the gospel's power is incredible. We can learn that. How do we know? Well, we just looked at it in verse 8 in your text. Notice the gospel brought joy to a whole region. The power of God through the gospel. And then thirdly, spiritual power Cannot be bought. Amen, saints? Cannot. Be careful of those trying to purchase it. And then finally, fourthly, pursuing God and not power is what counts. Listen, if you're in the business world, pursuing God and not power is what counts. If you're in the church, pursuing God and not power. Pursuing God not ministry, is what really counts. You know what David said in, in Psalm 42, 4? David said, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. And then Jesus said in John 17, 3, Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, Father, the only true God, and Jesus
0: Christ whom you have sent you have been listening to salt and light a radio outreach ministry of pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Carry located in Apex North Carolina join pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time for information regarding service times